Welcome to the Higher Ed Retire Podcast with your host, Greg Shepard. Greg is a fee-only financial advisor who specializes in helping those in higher education to take control of their retirement. Since 2001, Greg has helped employees all over the country make the most of their retirement plans. Hey there, folks. Greg Shepard here, Higher Ed Retire Podcast. As always, I do appreciate you all listening out there. And on that note, I'm closing in on 3,000 downloads. Does anybody out there have any clue if that's good or bad? Because I don't. It uh, sounds like a lot of people, right? But I've been doing this a long time, so maybe that number should be bigger. But nonetheless, I appreciate all of the questions uh, over the months slash years. Not very, I, I, I'm not even sure how many episodes I've done. But nonetheless, again, I appreciate all the questions that have been generated from you all out there as I enjoy uh, helping everybody out there and uh, talking with a bunch of you as well. So I've got to know some great folks in the higher ed industry over the time, uh, course of time I've been doing this podcast. So for those of you that don't know me, let me informally introduce myself. Again, the name is Greg Shepard. I do have an investment, independent investment advisory firm here in the Kansas City area. But as I've stated in other podcast episodes, with the advancements of technology, I am able, go figure, I'm able to help out just about anybody all over the country navigate and basically just get the most out of your higher ed retirement plans. The goal of this podcast and this episode specifically is really just to arm you with as much information as possible so you can make an informed decision when it comes to your retirement plan. Because you know the old adage, I've said it time and time again, you don't know what you don't know. And that applies to a lot of information surrounding your higher ed retirement plan. Now, specifically, I talk a lot about TIA and Fidelity in these podcast episodes, and this is no exception. But today's topic, we're going to talk about should you, as an employee of a higher ed institution, hire a financial advisor? So I'm going to obviously tackle that question. I'm going to give you an idea, maybe a couple scenarios where where it might be advantageous. And again, it's for you to decide where it might be advantageous for you to consider using a financial advisor and maybe one or two scenarios, maybe just one. I think it's pretty simple for those that it's, uh, you may not get much benefit out of a financial advisor. Now, let's define that real quick. Who or what is a financial advisor in regards to this podcast episode? It is not. It is absent of the TIA and Fidelity reps. Now, I know there's other vendors at some of your higher ed institutions, but again, the big boys in the sandbox are Fidelity and TIA, so I'm going to stick to that. So absent of those good folks over over in their respective companies, they are not your fiduciary financial advisors. Now, in this case, like I say, stated, I'll talk a lot about TIA and Fidelity. They act as a fiduciary when it comes to the plan level, but not the participant level. They are not acting in what's in your best interest. They are acting, they're good, good folks, don't get me wrong, Okay, I'm not discrediting any of these folks or what they do, but we know who their boss is. So as business goes, okay, they're going to do what's in the best interest for the business, for their company. Okay, so let's make sure we get that straight. Um, A financial advisor in this case is someone that's independent of TIA and Fidelity, but that works with them in an independent fashion for fee only, no commissions, no commissions involved. Okay. And this person, this financial advisor, needs to be, for, for you, for the benefit of you, needs to be educated, experienced in the higher education retirement space. Because if they are not, they, they'll have to start from scratch. They'll have to start from step one and learning a lot of this stuff. 
Okay, and again, the old adage goes for them as well, these financial advisors. You don't know what you don't know. So he or she, this financial advisor, could be making irrevocable decisions for you that, hence, are irrevocable. Okay, so we don't we don't want to go down that path. Uh, and FYI, you can you can um, qualify these financial advisors just by simply asking some of the questions that you learn in these episodes. Okay, so let's go over those uh, maybe a couple scenarios where it makes sense for those out there in higher ed to consider using a financial advisor. Oh, I almost forgot. Before I get going, I've been told time and time again, don't forget this. Uh, I need to quote, recite one sentence for some reason that keeps the attorneys at bay. Right. So. Here we go. Investment advisory services offered by me, Greg Shepard, as an investment advisor rep of S&A Financial Services, Inc., which is a registered investment advisor. So uh, S&A Financial Services, by the way, is, as I stated, that's the firm that I work for here in Kansas City. Um, and, and that's it. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Okay, who does this make sense for? Financial advisors. Let me give you two scenarios. Maybe, maybe this just answers the question. But maybe generally speaking real quick from the macro perspective, uh, I think it makes sense for those out there in the higher ed space to 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 speak with an independent financial advisor when you're about 10 years-ish away from retirement. Uh, and I don't have a lot of time or the desire to get into all the reasons why, but that, you know that's kind of the target, that, that 10-year-ish window from retirement. And again, macro, generally speaking, because a lot of you out there are going to have TI traditional accounts, and you're going to have multiple accounts. Okay, very, very common. I've, heck, I've talked to two or three of you today that weren't client, that aren't clients, that probably will be, but have multiple contracts where they have TI traditional. There's got to be some kind of game plan installed or, or implemented when it comes to those TI traditional accounts, rather than you becoming retired, going through the phase of retirement, and then learning about some of the restrictions, liquidity specifically regarding the TI traditional account. So let me give you two real case scenarios. One, um, let's see, I just spoke to this person last week. And by the way, um, any anything I state in here, it's March of 2023. So if I talk about TI traditional advantageously, that's because rates are really high right now. Uh, so if you're listening to this in the future, uh, I don't know what rates are in the future, but right now they're pretty good. So keep that in mind as I speak uh, during this episode. So the person I spoke to uh, last week let me get my ducks in a row here. As as per usual, per usual, I don't have anything written down, so I'm going off, going off memory, which seems to uh, dwindle as years go on. Can, you, can can any of you relate to that? Okay, so this person has a current employer, of course. She has multiple accounts with the current employer. One of those employers where the plans have morphed. Uh, especially last year, just as of late. Okay, so we have some mandatory accounts and some voluntary accounts with the current employer, and she has two ex-employers of which she has uh, a few TIAA accounts there as well. Mostly illiquid. I'm sorry, mostly liquid in those old accounts. Okay, if, uh, I think one or two. Um, going off memory here, one or two. Li- uh, I'm sorry, illiquid accounts and then mostly liquid accounts. So without getting into a lot of details, you know, she, she actually uh, knows what she's doing, okay? She, she is uh, more advanced than most of the folks I talk to when it comes to this stuff. So we kind of bounced ideas off each other, and we ultimately went with a version of my game plan, which is the following, okay? And she did hire me as an advisor, so, and as she stated, you know, she's married, and the husband is involved with this stuff. He's good at numbers and all that fun stuff, but 
he doesn't have a clue when it comes to her higher ed retirement plan, and she is basically alone. And dealing with TIAA, according to her, these are her words, is exhausting, okay? And and she knows that they don't act as her fiduciary. So it was advantageous for her to at least bounce ideas off of someone like myself, and it doesn't, I mean, honestly, it doesn't cost that much, okay? So here we go. What we came up with in her situation was... I think it was advantageous. Again, don't you go out there and implement this strategy without talking to somebody, okay? So for the liquid money, uh, let me preface this. What we're trying to do is find out how much she wanted in safe, um, air quotes here, safe fixed investments. That's where we started, okay? Because she has multiple contracts with her current employer where we can take advantage of new deposits going into that TI traditional. Okay, we're talking about some of the illiquid accounts, six and a quarter percent on new contributions and some of the liquid accounts, five, five and a quarter, five and a half. So how do we take advantage of that? Well, what we did is we decided how much she wanted in TI traditional accounts, right? And that answer, um, I, uh, off the top of my head, I think it was like $150,000. So what we did is we massaged carefully. So we, we, we reallocated all of our accounts to take advantage of the new high interest rate on new deposits going in where they totaled $150,000. Now, we took those old accounts Okay, and she's a relatively conservative investor. But we took all those monies in those old accounts, rolled it over to an IRA. In my case, we I custody over at Charles Schwab. And we went 100% equities, okay? And she like, you know, her eyes kind of lit up and she's like, well, what's going, why are we doing that? Well, the answer was we used that old, those old accounts as equities, right? And I can't remember exactly what the total was. That's irrelevant for the most part for this conversation. And then, because I told her, we can access investments in this case over at Schwab, where the investment portal, you know, we have thousands of investment options. We can get, you know, very cheap ETFs if if we want, stocks if she wants, you know, various types of investments that you cannot access over your employer retirement plan. Okay, on the equity side. I can't go out, in this case of Schwab, and get anything um, fixed paying 6% in perpetuity. Obviously, CDs have a maturity life. So let's take advantage of your employer plan. Not only that, we implemented what, if you've heard my episodes prior, a reinvestment strategy where we took money out of one of our TI traditional liquid accounts, sat it in money market, okay? We're going to reintroduce those monies back into TI traditional at a higher rate, okay? So... Right there, there's a lot, and we, we bumped up her rate. We're going to about 2%, maybe a little less than that, but about 2%. So there's massive value added right here with the financial advisor, even though she was very capable of doing these things. She just wasn't, um, she needed someone to bounce ideas off of her. Her strategy was a little different than mine, but then I explained to her why it's in her benefit, why it's advantageous to basically do what I was telling her to do. So we did. We implemented what I told her to do, and uh, away we went. So that was a great example of value added with a financial advisor. Uh, scenario number two, I'm not, I'm not going to get into the weeds too much, but just simply real quick, uh, again, I don't want to elaborate on this. this. This episode will be way too long. Way too long. Um, with the interest rates being high, again, March of 2023, not that long ago, a few months ago, uh, late last year, maybe October-ish, we did, for a prospect that became a client, we implemented that reinvestment strategy that I just talked about 
a couple seconds, a few seconds ago. And again, if you don't know what I'm talking about, make sure you educate yourself on this. Tia calls it something different. I call it the 120-day reinvestment strategy. But we did implement this strategy uh, for a large portion of this person's account. And again, we exited, uh, I don't remember the numbers offhand, but we exited, this is a liquid account, the TI traditional paying, gosh, it wasn't even paying 4%. And this is an old contract, set it in money market for 120 days, reintroduced those monies back in the same contract, TI traditional. And I think we got well over five, maybe five and a half percent, five and a quarter. So we bumped up his rate quite a bit. And so right there, again, is value added for, for a adv financial advisor. Heck, that basically paid for my fee. Okay. And that's why I always say, you know, I, I kind of relate it to a CPA, me personally. I'm in the industry. I know what I'm doing when it comes to finances. But uh, a number of years ago, I hired a, a CPA to do my taxes, obviously. And he is worth his fee in gold, if that even makes any sense. He's worth his weight in gold because he's doing things that I don't even know about. I don't have the time or desire to go out and think about the strategies that he's implementing for me and my family's situation. So he, he pays for himself in that regard. So... Same idea here with the financial advisor. But again, make sure you qualify the financial advisor. Just start asking questions and, and just listen and see what he or she says. Now, I will tell you this. On this last scenario I just gave for someone that should be thinking about a financial advisor where I implemented the investment strategy, reinvestment strategy, this person actually went to, you know, one of those financial planning seminars, you know, that you get the old, the old big postcards with a big picture of a stake on it. Well, he actually went to that and spoke to uh, the guy giving that seminar. And, and the prospect at the time, now now the client, told me the, the gentleman giving this seminar, very professional. They always look nice and dress uh, dress well and speak, speak elegantly, unlike yours truly, where I trip over my tongue constantly going off on tangents. He spoke about finances just fine. That that checked the box for, for the now client. But the financial advisor giving the seminar was in favor of pulling out all of his liquid money that he could from ex-employers, okay, he was retired, and rolling it over to an IRA, right? Okay, typically that's advantageous. That would be an advisable thing to do. And the advisor in this case told now client of mine this is to your advantage because those TI traditional rates aren't worth the paper they're written on. So this, this advisor didn't know what he was talking about because I did a 180 and told now client that what we need to do is keep some of this money, the liquid money, in TIA, do the 120-day reinvestment strategy, and we did some other things too, to take advantage of that in lieu of some of the poor-performing bond investments. And then we can roll over you know, whatever we want outside of that. So my advice here, again, when you're talking and speaking with uh, a potential financial advisor, make sure, and this is where it gets a little tricky, but make sure, may maybe use your gut feeling, this advisor, he or she, isn't hungry for assets. What do I mean by that? So this advisor in this example, the, one of the reasons he wanted to pull out the liquid money and roll over to an IRA is that th that's the only way this advisor could get paid. Because I know for a fact you can't get paid inside a lot of these higher red retirement plans. So if those assets stayed there, you know, you can't charge directly from those accounts like you can um, as an IRA rollover. And so I always tell clients, an advisor should never charge you on 
TI traditional monies anyway. Okay, that's not what we do. I think it's, um, I don't know, unethical is not the right word. I, I don't know what the word is, but, you know, advisor can't do anything for you when it's sitting in TI traditional. So why is an advisor charging you on that money? So with all my clients that I deal with, I tell them up front, uh, anything we leave in TI traditional, I'm not going to charge you on it. And that by no way is going to sway my decision as what I do. Because my, now make note of this, okay, make note of this. I always tell prospects what I recommend to you. I need, as a fiduciary, I've got to justify my decisions, my recommendations to you and to me, okay, and also maybe most importantly to the SEC. If the SEC walks in this office, which they do, they, they give you know audits of my firms like mine all over the country, I have to be able to justify as to why I did XYZ in Jane and John's account for the benefit of Jane and John, okay? And if I can't coherently give a good explanation as to why, I got a problem, okay? So I'm very careful when I make changes in people's accounts that I can justify to everybody as to why we're doing it. You can justify it in a number of different ways. Does, it, does putting it in a better position mean better investment um, products? Okay, better service, different strategies. There's a, a few different ways you can define that. But it better not be, I made those uh, recommendations pulling you out of like TI traditional and putting you over a rollover IRA so I could make money, okay? So you need to be careful of those advisors that are hungry for assets. And that's hard to do. And I'd say the only way you can really figure that out is just asking questions, asking questions, asking questions, okay? Don't be afraid to ask questions. It's your money. It's your money. So if a good financial advisor for those in higher ed, what he or she's going to do, especially if you have a bunch of TIA accounts, they, that, that advisor is going to be the quarterback of your situation. They're going to quarterback at that situation. They're going to tell you uh, what the game plan is before they implement it. Now, on that note, um, a competent financial advisor in the higher ed space, he or she is going to want, especially if you have TIA accounts, okay, and Fidelity accounts. I just did this with someone that didn't have any TIA accounts. We, we did the Fidelity authorization form. So what I'm speaking about is prior to, uh, in my opinion, in my opinion, prior to um, you becoming a client of said advisor, that advisor, in order to make a competent, comprehensive game plan that encompasses all of the vendors that you're utilizing for your higher ed retirement plan needs to submit an authorization form to, in this case, TIA or Fidelity, so they can see a picture of what you're doing. Now, I emphasize this, especially with TIA accounts, because I get statements all the time from folks, right, that have TIA accounts, but it doesn't tell me the whole picture. Without going into a lot of details, I tell them, hey, these statements are great. It gets me, um, it gets me the ball, gets the ball rolling. It gives me an idea of what I want to do for you, but the, the the game plan that I really want to set in stone will be formulated after I submit a, an authorization form that you must sign. And what this does is it gives my firm authorization to view your accounts online because that affords me access and information that I cannot extract from statements. I need access online to those accounts. Then I formulate a game plan, okay? And then once the client or prospect agrees with what I'm talking about, at that point I have the client or prospect sign forms, you know, fee deduction forms and all that fun stuff. 
There's only one form at the beginning. That's the authorization form. That enables the advisor to um, set up a game plan. Okay, so that'd be my opinion if I were in your spot. You don't, no, There's no reason to sign an agreement with any advisor prior to an actual game plan being set in place. Now, okay, I'm hemming and hawing here. So let's move over to those that may not find it as advantageous to hire a financial advisor. This is pretty simple. We'll start off with those that are young. Okay, young, I don't know, you can define what young is, but for those, certainly retirement is not in their near-term future. You folks out there, you, you youngins out there, your goal is to crush your debt and put away as much money as possible. <laughs> That's it, okay? You, typically, it's synonymous. You know, being younger is synonymous with being aggressive, typically. Not everybody, and that's not investment advice. But if you're, if you're an aggressive investor, even if we, you're solely with Tia, Cref, Tia or Fidelity or another vendor, you're going to want to look at those equity investments, okay? A financial advisor can't really do much for you. Uh, just look for low-cost equity, maybe index investments. They're, they're abundant out there in these higher ed retirement plans now. And just put away as much money as you can afford and crush that debt at the same time, okay? I don't think there's really a big need for you to pay an advisor. Uh, speaking on that, again, I'm going off the tangents here. Fees, 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 fees. This is my opinion, okay? Take it for what it's worth. I think a competent financial advisor should, should charge no more than 1%. All right, that's what we charge here. No more than 1%. As your assets get greater, get greater, is that correct English? That fee becomes less. So 1%, I'm just speaking from my firm, my opinion. The most we charge is 1%. Then it ratchets down depending upon how many assets, uh, how much assets you have with us. Me, okay? So we make it as simple as possible. There's other ways other advisors charge uh, in tiers, but we just keep it very, very simple. And again, I'll re-emphasize that I don't think a competent financial advisor should charge you on money held in TIAA traditional. Okay, now that we've got that out of the way, so a person that may not find benefit as beneficial to hire a financial advisor, those that are young, and those that maybe just have a simple, um, and again, you have to define what simple is, uh, a simple retirement plan. Maybe you just have fidelity and that's it. Maybe you just have 1403B, you're retiring, you know, you're going to take Social Security, your spouse is retired. There's not a, you're going to roll that account over to an IRA. Uh, maybe you know what you're doing in that regard. And that's perfectly fine, okay? Maybe not a huge need for a financial advisor. Really, again, the, the, a competent financial advisor is going to hold your hand and is going to be your quarterback through those latter years of employment, formulate a game plan, and then from the distribution phase, is going to help you distribute those assets in the most tax-advantageous way. So I did go a little long here. I do apologize, but I wanted to make sure I got everything in. I did kind of hem and haul and got, went off on different tangents. By all means, you're not alone. If you want to ask me questions, I am here to help you. I've had uh, two Zoom meetings today. I don't, I, I, I'm very honest here. I don't think either person is going to become a client, which is perfectly fine. They just needed some questions answered, and that's why I do this. Uh, so don't be bashful in reaching out and having someone help you absent of TIA and Fidelity reps. Easiest way to get hold of me is my email. Email is greg at shepherdfinancial.com. Shepherd is spelled S-H-E-P-A-R-D. And that's all I got today, folks. As always, go out there and take control of your retirement today. Take care. Bye-bye. 
Thanks for listening to the Higher Ed Retire Podcast. Just because this episode is over doesn't mean you can't continue your retirement journey. Please visit www.higheredretire.com to see how you can work with Greg or to simply ask him a question. Thanks again. S&A Financial Services is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.